All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. I'm a real boy! You want thingamabobs? I got 20. 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. We This is the Magic on a Dollar Podcast with David Dollar. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Magic on a Dollar Podcast. My name is David Dollar, and I will be your host for the next 30 minutes or so as we kind of talk about Disney stuff. I like to say it's Disney conversations in a podcast form, and since really it's only me, um, it's really me talking to myself about Disney stuff in a podcast form, but I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're out there. Thank you so much for uh, downloading. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for talking about the show. Telling other people about the show, I do get a word every now and then from from a fan or from a listener that says, hey, great show, or hey, I love your show, that kind of thing. So it's really nice to hear that. I do encourage you to go on iTunes, review the show, rate the show, subscribe to the show, tell other people about the show. Hashtag ModPod on Twitter as well. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. You know, when I was doing the, the, the show prep, which I don't do a ton of show prep, I just kind of listen up to news articles and kind of file it away in the back of my head going, oh, that's a good show, show idea. Um... Listening to news prep and stuff, or doing news prep and stuff, I was thinking, man, there's not a lot of news this week. Last week, it was a ton of news with Universal Prices going up, and Black Panther had just come out, and so on and so forth. And I was, you know, thinking, there's not a lot of news, but uh, it turns out there's actually quite a bit of news, and most of it is actually food-related, which is, which is kind of cool because, you know, I love food. Uh, we're going to talk about food tonight. We're going to talk about some of the food things that are coming up, um, some great Disney history stuff coming up. This is a big week for two different events that happened in the history of the company. So we'll talk about that as well. Um, we got some great table service and counter service and uh, meal changes coming up for Disney. So they're doing some different things. Uh, so that's going to be fun. We're going to talk about the dining plan, too. A lot of people ask me about the dining plan. How does it work? Is it worth it? That kind of thing. So we'll go into that later. So let's go ahead and kick this thing off with a little bit of Disney news around the world, shall we? Well, howdy, folks. Let's gather around. Here's some Disney news from around these parts and around the world. All right, so first up, this actually happened this morning. This broke this morning. And and some of this is not official Disney confirmed. Like, they have released it. It's out there, that kind of thing. But but I'm going to kind of... Gonna kind of bank on it. That's going to happen. Pinocchio Village House in Fantasyland, the Magic Kingdom, is going to begin doing a table service dinner buffet. Now, let me break that down for you for people who don't know a lot or don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, there are three levels of, of dining, basically. Uh, you got your counter service, and you got your snack, and you got your dinner. Your snacks are popcorn and you know cat and candy and candied apples or whatever pastries, that kind of thing. You snack on them. Counter service is like a fast food where you walk up, you order your food, you have a seat. And your dining, your, your table service dinner is, you know, you sit down, you order off the menu, you have a buffet, that kind of thing. So those are your three differences. Pinocchio Village House is a place in Fantasyland. It's, it's sort of flatbreads, things like that. It's, it's, now, it's not my favorite, but it's actually pretty convenient right there in the Magic Kingdom. So I've been there several times. It's got a, it's got a pretty cool little, you know, motif. And there's actually a window that you can sit at and you can look at people in, on the small world boats coming under the bridge there, and so you can kind of wave to them, and they'll wave to you, and that kind of thing. And so for, for lunch and for dinner, it's actually been pretty easy, because you could just go in, it's right there, you could have a seat, and so they're going to actually open this up now for dinner for a table service, which means you have to have a reservation for it. 
So that's going to be happening sometime in the near future. We don't exactly know when that's going to happen, but it's going to be happening pretty soon. Uh, they haven't released yet. Now, prices for dinner, $22 for adults, $12 for children. You're going to have kind of kind of have Italian offerings, uh, salads, baked ziti, meatballs, pasta alfredo, parmesan, flatbreads, things like that. And this is actually coming from www.nt.com, www.newstoday.com. It's a great source of news and everything. Um, and so they're going to have that going on. Now, they've done breakfast buffets. There's an event called the Mo- the Morning Magic Event where you get into the Magic Kingdom like an hour or so early, pay a little extra, you get to ride a few rides before anybody else does, that kind of thing. And so that's happening, but uh, uh, they've had breakfast and everything buffets, but they're going to be doing a dinner buffet. Uh, it would not shock me to see Pinocchio Village House actually open up for a counter-service breakfast as well, because that leads into our next little bit of news, little item here, because Be Our Guest Restaurant, that is one restaurant that is very, very popular. It's um, it's located in the Magic Kingdom. It, it's, it's Beast Castle. That's what it is. Uh, and so Beast Castle is uh, is basically where um, uh, it's where Beast lived in Beauty and the Beast. And so it's kind of up on the hill. This was a part of New Fantasyland that opened up in 2012 when they, or 13, when they opened up the, the New Fantasyland with new rides, the mine train, uh, and, you know, Enchanted Tales with Belle, that kind of thing. They put in Be Our Guest Restaurant. Extremely popular. Uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They were all uh, breakfast and lunch were counter services. Dinner was a table service, and um, it's impossible reservations to get. You, people ask me all the time, "Hey, I'm going next week. You think I can get a reservation to be our guest?" No, probably not. Now, having said that, it's not impossible because people, you know, all the time people will cancel, and so you do have opportunities to get reservations here and there. But typically, they're hard to find. So for breakfast and for lunch. Uh, Be Our Guest was a counter service. Um, they had to do reservations for that starting a year or two ago because people were lining up to get into Beast Castle. They were lining up, and the lines were stretching through Fantasyland. They were, people were lining up two and three hours ahead of time to get in for breakfast or lunch. And Disney was like, we can't have this because people are snaking through the park you know, in this big, long line. It's, it's holding up traffic. So they did reservations only. Well, now Be Our Guest is a, it's a one-credit table service. And this will be important when I get to the, to, to the dining plan in a few minutes. But it's a one-credit table service. They are now going to make this a two-credit table service. They're going to go from the menu, which is which is what they have now. They have a regular regular off-the-menu thing with steaks and salads and things like that. Um, it's kind of all the cart. You control the cost. You control your cost, basically. Um, you know, if you want to spend $30 for two people, you could probably spend 30 Hey, let me have an appetizer. You have an appetizer. We're good. Well, they're going to make this now a prefix dinner. And prefix means it's a it's a predetermined menu. It is a predetermined thing you're going to get, which is probably going to include uh, things like steaks. Um, they're going to have appetizers. Uh, you know, I think this is unofficial, but what I'm hearing: French onion soup, charred octopus with citrus laced finger link potatoes, pickled hearts of palm, and red pepper coilus. I don't even know what that is. Escargot with herb garlic butter and toasted gremolata. I don't know what gremolata is. And a selection of sorted meats and artisanal cheeses with. Uh, you know, chicken liver and sausage and blah, 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 blah. Entrees will be grilled center-cut cl- uh, center filet with potato au gratin, Romano beans, marmalade, uh, red wine reduction, smoked black-eyed pea tort- uh, tortellini. Um, they'll have different desserts and stuff, too, including cheesecakes and, and things like that. There'll be, there'll be a personal dessert platter that chefs will put together, and they're still deciding what to bring um, or what to make. And so... It's uh, it's it's gonna be a big deal. It's gonna be a big deal for beer guests. It's gonna be very popular. It's two credits per person now. Uh, that's gonna open up actually Jan- July twenty seventh, and so you can't just go in there and say, "Let me have the great stuff," and that's it. Because here's the thing: a lot of people were having were having for dinner. They were getting reservations because they want to try the great stuff. The great stuff is like a cupcake. Because in the song, beer guests try the great stuff. It's delicious. So people were getting reservations 
only to go in there and get dessert. Now, when you get a typical reservation at Disney, they basically block off an hour for you. Um, so, you know, the, the restaurant itself, I don't know, 200 tables or whatever. So 200 families, there are 200 reservations blocked off from the 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock hour. I'm making that number up. It might be 300. It might be 150. I don't know. But basically, like, 200 hours are blocked off um, for that 7 to 8 o'clock reservation time. So there's nothing left from 7 to 8 o'clock reservation time. Um, people come in, and they want the gray stuff. That's all they need to order dessert. Well, they're done in 30 minutes. They're done in 30, 40 minutes. So now you have a 20 to 30-minute gap of time where there's nobody at that table. So they're going through this two-credit thing here. This may or may not work uh, very well. And, and, and we'll, get to, we'll get to the credits and stuff in a few minutes, okay? We'll, we'll talk about that. Let's, let's go on with the other news. We'll, we'll circle back to this. So let's not forget it, okay? So over in Disneyland, they are going to do the uh, uh, the – the Tropical Hideaway. The Disneyland is adding a tiki room and jungle cruise-themed restaurant over in Adventureland. They have Aladdin's Oasis. It used to be there now. They're actually going to transfer it to something called the Tropical Hideaway. You're going to have the Jungle Cruise and Tiki Room Restaurant. It's, uh, it's going to be a stop for Adventureland fans and weary explorers alike. So you'll be able to eat different meals and stuff. There's no further information about that, but it's just something that on the horizon that's coming. Similar to what they did in Magic Kingdom. Uh, over at Walt Disney World, where they did the uh, Skipper's Canteen, which is right there in front of the Jungle Cruise. It's a fun experience. It's The menu is very exotic. The menu is very strange. I, I don't... See, I'm a, I'm a picky eater when it comes to that kind of stuff. I don't know how much I really like that kind of stuff. And so it's really kind of hard for me to look down and say, hey, let me try this. That looks good because I don't know what I'm eating. I don't really like spice. So when I look at a menu for... Um, you know, for entrees, you've got the, the, the Nile Nelly's Noodle Bowl, which is uh, chicken and duck with jalapenos and fresh herbs. Uh, the Baba Berber Lamb Chops, which is lamb chops, couscous, uh, carrots, sunchokes, and lamb butter sauce. Um, you know, the beefy baked pasta with uh, pasta and bechamel sauce served with vegetables. And uh, I'm looking at the menu now. Uh, the signature steak, that kind of thing. The appetizers are the, you know, the, uh, the cachapadas, uh, the balati salad, the chumai, which is pork, shrimp, and the uh, edamame beans. I don't even know half the words I just said. I'll be honest with you. I don't even know what a reduction is. I'm not really sure what risotto is. I think I've eaten it. I've seen it, but I can't tell you what it is. It might be mushrooms. It might be cherries. I have no idea. Uh, I'm a foodie to the point where I like to eat, but I'm not a foodie where, to the point where I can tell you what all this stuff is. But the menu was actually much more exotic than what I just read. I'm actually surprised I didn't find more words I didn't understand there. Um, they had to change the menu because it was too exotic. They actually kind of... I don't want to say dumbed it down, but they took out some of the exotic stuff and put in some more mainstream stuff there at the jungle, uh, the Skipper's Canteen because people weren't going there because they're like, we don't know what this is. We're not going to eat there. So I imagine Disney Disneyland will do something similar to Disney World, the the, uh, the cafe there. Um, so also over, they're opening up a Pixar uh, Pixar Pier is opening up at Disneyland. The California Adventure is turning their their Pixar their their Paradise Pier is turning into Pixar Pier. We're going to have the Incredicoaster. You're going to have different. Pixar-themed rides. They're also going to be opening up a Lamplight Lounge. When it opens up on June 23rd, guests will discover a new hotspot called the Lamplight Lounge. This seaside lounge, which is there on the little lake they have, it'll be an elegant yet fun gathering place for the whole family, located at the entrance of Pixar Pier. They're going to have the Lobster Nachos, which apparently is a guest favorite in that area. They'll also be serving casual cuisine, cuisine that is, according to the Disney Parks blog, Playfully presented along with unique signature cocktails, and you'll be able to see Pixar Pier and the World of Color all lit up at night. Renovated from an old warehouse factory, the location has many features of the original two-story building. I believe this is where um, 
This is where Ariel's Grotto used to be, and that was the princess dining they had there. They closed it as part of trying to get the Pixar Pier. Uh, so that's going to be coming up as well. Uh, that opens up June 23rd, so that should be a lot of fun. Now, here's a little bit of news that has nothing to do with food. This is the rumor. Um, well, not really a rumor. This is actually happening, so we'll get to the rumor in a second. Wonders of Life Pavilion at Epcot will no longer be a festival center because maybe new attractions are coming. Maybe. We'll see. The, the, the Wonders of Life Pavilion actually had a couple of rides in it, mostly, uh, I think Body Awards was there, um, and they closed that down uh, some years ago. There was They were doing different things there uh, at Wonders of Life. It was a pavilion. You go into Epcot. You, you walk into Epcot. The first part of Epcot is called Future World, and they have the, the Motion Pavilion. They have the Wonders of Life. They have the land. They have the sea. Basically, it's like different science aspects, that kind of thing. Uh, little by little, those things are kind of been – replaced and removed and the emphasis on science and technology have not really been there as much um you know soren is in the land pavilion you go to soren they have that they have living with the land which is a which is a cool little ride uh they have those kind of things the seas pavilion is now the seas with nemo and friends so it's more of a brand oriented thing um the world of motion is now you know, test track which is motion um and the Wonders of life pavilion had had a lot had body wars and things like that in it, which closed some time ago. Now the pavilion itself has been kind of a festival center. So when they do the the uh, the, the flower and garden show, when they do the uh, the food and wine show, when they do the festival arts, that was kind of the hub. You go there to have extra special you know wine tastings and events. And we, my wife and I, Stephanie went to a pin event they had there. It was kind of the central hub. You put everything in there. Well, they're not going to have that as the festival center anymore. They're going to close that down because they're looking for doing something else with that space. This is interesting because, because of course, Epcot is about to head into a major, major refurb area. Uh, Toy Story Land opens up on June 30th, which is what we talked about last week. We've got the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opening up, opening up next year, 2019. When that happens, when that opens up, Ep or Hollywood Studios will pretty much be done for the most part. I'm sure they'll be doing some refurbs here and there. And I think right now they're kind of they're slowly working with Epcot. They've got the, the, the Gardens of the Galaxy coming, the roller coaster, the, the Ratatouille ride's going to be coming as well. But by next year, I think all of the focus that's on Hollywood Studios now will turn to Epcot. Now, we heard in, in the D23 um, you know, conference that happened last uh, last year, One of my, I think my first episode of this podcast was actually on D23 News. Go back and listen to that. You can kind of hear some of the things that are happening with, uh, uh, with Epcot Whatever, but I think there's going to be more stuff coming. Not just a roller coaster, not just the Ratatouille ride, not just a hotel, a Star Wars, not Star Wars space themed, not Star Wars, but a space themed um, restaurant there. I, I think there's going to be more than that. I believe they're going to put in new pavilions. I think they're going to be putting in maybe another ride that nobody knows about. Maybe they couldn't announce it just yet. Um, and who knows with this festival center? There could be an attraction coming here. There could be something happening in this kind of a an overhaul of Epcot. What it is, I have no idea. Guessing, I have no idea. So I don't really know. Uh, but Body Wars and I think Cranium Command was also there. Um, so who knows? Just keep in touch with here on the podcast. If you don't follow Disney News, I'd like to think that my podcast is kind of a good way to follow along with Disney News. You kind of get your little bit of Disney once a week. So let's talk about a little bit of Disney history here. This is... um. Uh, Timekeeper closed in 2006 this week uh, in, in Disney history. It was located in Disney World's Magic Kingdom. It closed permanently uh, in Tomorrowland. It first opened in 1994. Robin Williams was the timekeeper, and it was a kind of a circle vision thing. You walk in, and there was an attraction thing going on there, and, and now, it's, uh, uh, now it's something completely different. Um, but the Timekeeper closed in 2006. Uh, one more Disney Day happened this week in 2006. 
2012, actually. This is the first time that Disney did a 24-hour event. On the 29th, they did a one more Disney day where you go in and you could spend the entire day, 24 hours, at Disney World. And Disneyland did this, too. Disney in California, Magic Kingdom Park, Walt Disney World opened at 6 a.m., on February 29th, 2012, in celebration of Leap Day, 24-hour event dubbed One More Disney Day was the first time in Disney's history that both parks operated for 24 hours at the same time. Disney actually handed out 2,000 um, 2, Mickey ears to everybody who entered the park. Uh, this is something that, that they did a couple of times since then, and they did it last, I believe, the 24-hour Disney Day in Memorial Day weekend in, um, in uh, at Disney World, uh, Magic Kingdom and everything. Um, in 2015, I believe. I was there for that. I actually went 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. So I went, actually, 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., uh, 5 a.m. one day to 7 a.m. the next day. It was tough. It was tough. My, my travel agent buddy and I, Joey, and I've mentioned this before, but we went, uh, we did uh, 47 attractions, or I'm sorry, 50 attractions in 24-hour period. It was, uh, it was one of the Star Wars weekends, which they used to do at Hollywood Studios. So that was happening. It was Memorial Day weekend, so that was happening. And the 24-hour event, which was also happening. And it was so insanely busy. It was insane how many people were there. They, to, to tell you, the Jungle Cruise, we got in line for the Jungle Cruise around 1 a.m. And we didn't get off until close to, close to 3 a.m. Um, it was nuts. It was almost a two-hour wait for the Jungle Cruise. And we didn't know that when we got in line for it, but it was crazy. But we did accomplish all 50 rides, all 50 attractions, as we say. We had to, we weren't able to do the mine train. The mine train had been open maybe a year or two since then, and it was also extremely busy. Um, but we weren't able to, to get on that one. But we just kind of, you know, 50 attractions, we kind of labeled them off. We all hit most of the major ones, and our 50th attraction was the Tiki Room, which we walked out of at around 5.51 on the next morning. We went to Polynesian and got some Tonga Toast, and then went to sleep for a couple hours because we were exhausted. We had been up for like... 30 straight hours doing Disney stuff. 24 hours of Disney is crazy. I don't know if they'll do that again. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I don't know if they should because it's just it's just too busy. It's just too crazy busy. Now, this is a big deal. There are two events that happened this week in Disney history, uh, both which helped shape the company. One, I think, is much bigger than the other. Um, and the first one was that this is when – this week in Disney history, 1928, Walt Disney and his wife Lillian went to New York to negotiate or renegotiate – a, a deal with Charles Mintz of Winkler Productions to work on the Oswald cartoons. And this is before Mickey Mouse existed. This is before Mickey Mouse came into being. Oswald the Lucky Rabbit was kind of the big deal. Um, and so he was working on, working with, uh, with Charles Mintz, of, which eventually was Universal, um, to do the Oswald stuff. Now, what he didn't realize, however, was that Charles Mintz was working against him. Charles Mintz and Secret had gone behind his back and had already hired some of his, uh, some of his animators, a lot of his animators, actually. And the deal itself was not good because he basically had worked it out where he was going to take possession of Oswald. Technically, Charles Mintz actually legally owned Oswald, but Walt Disney was in good faith working with him to try to make sure that, you know, hey, the new Oswald cartoons are coming up. We're going to negotiate a deal for the next set of cartoons. And and so Charles Mintz actually offered him $1,400 and 50% of the profits, which was not good. That was terrible. That was awful because, you know, Disney, even then, $1,400 was not a lot of money, and you have to pay your employees and such, um, and Disney was really hurting. I mean, it's, uh, he was trying to get this done. You know, his studio was kind of up and down. He and Roy were kind of hemorrhaging money, that kind of thing, and, and so the next day, he raised his offer from 1400 to 1750 all right, 1750 and uh, Waltz agrees if Mintz can produce the contract immediately. Waltz says, you know what? If you can give me the contract right now, let me read it. 
we can do it. We can do the deal. And Mint says, Mint says, I, I can't do it. So the next day, he raises his offer to $1,800 per Oswald cartoon. Um, but now Mint says, you know what? I also want to take over the Disney Studios. I want to give you and Roy $200 a week as my employees. And, of course, Walt was like, <laughs> no, that's not how this is going to work. Well, then Charles Mintz drops the bomb on him and is like, well, you know what? I've already hired most of your animators. I own Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. You have nothing. Go home. And uh, that's what happened. I mean, basically, he took Walt Disney's stuff out from under him completely. He basically just he decimated the company as, at that time, uh, Charles Mintz. And so Oswald went to Universal. It was owned by Universal. Uh, everything that Walt did – well, not everything, but a lot of the things that Walt had done was now owned by Universal. Most of his animators left um, you know, to go work for Universal, and Walt Disney got on the train with Lillian. They started going back to California, and Lillian – uh, Walt started. Lillian and Walt were trying to figure out what to do, and, and you know, and Walt started drawing this little cartoon mouse. And it was then that Lillian and Walt began discussing this new mouse character that Walt had been tinkering around with, called Mortimer Mouse. Not really sure what to do with Mortimer, but but hey, I've been thinking around this. And the legend has it, this is not confirmed. I know a lot of people will say this is what happened. It's legend. It is legend because if you read the Walt Disney biography from Neil Gobbler, you'll find out that several people dispute the fact that Lillian said to Walt. Mortimer's a terrible name. Why don't you name him Mickey? That's the going theme. That's what everybody believes. And, and that's okay. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. But there are a few people that knew Walt that kind of disputes that and say, well, that's not really what happened. That's the romantic version of what happened. But what really happened is this. This is how the name came to be. So go read that biography. It's kind of thick. It's a, it's a really big book, but it's a great biography of Walt Disney from Neil Gobbler. I think it's called Walt Disney uh, American Imagination or something to that effect. I, I don't know off the top of my head. So that was a big deal. That shaped the company because Charles Mintz forced him into a situation where he now had to come up with something brand new, which he owned completely, and that became Mickey Mouse. Something else that happened in 2004. This is also a big deal, too. Michael Eisner was uh, was was running the company. He was the CEO of the company. And he made the fatal mistake to decide to get rid of Roy Disney. And Roy Disney was the nephew of uh, Roy Disney, who was the brother of Walt Disney. You got Walt and Roy, who basically put Disneyland together. Uh, Roy continued after Walt's death to continue opening up Walt Disney World. Roy, oh, was his, was his nephew. So Michael Eisner decides that he's going to try and get rid of Roy Disney, because Roy Disney's kind of Kind of, uh, uh, kind of Roy E. Disney, excuse me. Uh, Roy Disney's kind of been, you know, kind of been a thorn in the side. Backstory. In the early 80s, Walt Disney animation was, was in trouble. They had done several cartoons, which weren't very good. In hindsight, they people enjoy them now. The Fox and the Hound, Black, oh, not Black Culture, I'm sorry, Fox and the Hound, Aristocrats, Aristocats, um, you know, Robin Hood, movies like that in the 70s and early 80s. A lot of movies, Black Hole came out. We look back on them now, and we're like, oh my gosh, we love those movies. When we were kids, I love that movie. If you watch them in a vacuum, if you watch them with a really, um, if you watch them with a real objective eye, they're not that good of films. They're just not really well made. We love the story because, you know, it, it, when we were children, we loved these, but now it's like, uh, maybe not. Um, and so, I mean, just looking at them, they're not, Robin Hood's not really, uh, and Aristocats are not really well made movies. Neither is The Fox and the Hound, even though we love them. It's not really that good. Uh, not really really well produced. The point is that they were in trouble. Their movies were not making any money. They were hemorrhaging money. They were losing a lot of money. They had worked some deals out that didn't work. So all this animation was, was in trouble, and they were talking about canceling animation completely. If you can imagine that, the Walt Disney Company was talking about not doing animated films anymore. They hired Michael Eisner from Paramount. Michael Eisner came in and essentially saved 
the company. He helped turn uh, Disney around. He put Roy E. Disney in charge of animation. Roy E. Disney and, and Michael worked on getting Jeffrey Katzenberg in, getting other people into the company itself. Um, you know, they, had, they used to have a meeting called the uh, called the Gong Show meeting and something like that. I can't remember. But you, Eisner would demand that you come in with ideas. You had to have three ideas, no matter how crazy they were, three ideas to come in, to sit down at the table and say, here's my first idea. If they liked the idea, they talked about it. If they didn't, they would hit the gong and, you know, your idea was, was out. Uh, one guy came in and said, hey, I've got an idea about a, um, about a, about a mermaid. Uh, taking the Hans Christian Andersen old theme of Little Mermaid, why don't we make a film about a mermaid and a prince, whatever, and the idea got gonged. A year or so later, the guy, same guy came in and said, I've still got this idea, and it was kind of put forward. It was like, you know what, let's, let's work on that. Thus began the Disney Renaissance of Little Mermaid, which led into Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King, so on. Michael Eisner saved the company. He put in Disneyland Paris, which was a bomb to begin with, but it eventually made money. Uh, Hollywood Studios came in under his watch. Animal Kingdom came in under his watch. Um, you know, Epcot, the finishing touches of Epcot were, were there under his watch. A lot of things happened. But by 2000, 2000 2001, things weren't good. Things were not good at all in the company, and Eisner was kind of hitting this whole... Um, power-hungry thing, where he was like, I'm in control now, I'm running the show, and at some point, because uh, Roy E. Disney and Stanley Gold, which was a, which was one of his co-workers and also a Disney legend, uh, been in the company a long, long time, they were both having problems with Eisner because they were recognizing Eisner's on a power trip. Uh, Eisner's not doing the best interest of the company, he's doing what's in the best interest of Eisner, so they did their best to try to, to get rid of Eisner. It was this massive power struggle at the top of Disney in early 2000, 2001. They even started this company, a website called SaveDisney.com, um, talking to the shareholders and everything. So in 2004, this week in 2004, they had the shareholders meeting. And so Roy E. Disney and Stanley Gold talked to the shareholders and basically got a bit of no confidence in Michael Eisner to get him out of the company. This was a massive story. Now, I don't really remember this because I really wasn't paying that much attention to Walt Disney World, um, which is ironic because my, I went on a honeymoon to Walt Disney World. Uh, and at this point in time, in 2004, I was on my honeymoon. Like, I got married at February 28th. And so when this was happening, March 1st, 2nd, 3rd of 2004, this was all happening while I was at Disney. I had no idea. But uh, basically, they were trying to get rid of Disney. Uh, Eisner offered him to resign. The board opposed his resignation. They basically stripped him of the title of CEO to give it to George Mitchell, who became the new CEO of Disney. And they didn't let him resign because they wanted to humiliate him, essentially. Um, Roy Disney was like, you try to kick me out of the company, I'm going to come back at you. And it was this massive power struggle at the top of the company. It was a big deal, too, because Eisner was basically... No confidence. He was pretty much pushed out of the company. He stayed on a little while longer. Then he eventually did resign. Um, but for somebody who saved the company, brought it around to his end at Disney was crazy. And I don't know the finer, finer points, but I will say that he kind of brought a lot of it on himself. So it's not even like, you know, oh, my gosh, poor Eisner. I mean, it was like he was not doing well at the end of the company. That all comes from. A book called Disney War by James Stewart. And it's a great book. If you've ever read it, I've read it four or five times. It's one of my favorite business books, one of my favorite books overall. I highly recommend it. Um, and the reason I can say all this is, is kind of fact. I don't really say this is rumor, is that you know Eisner doesn't dispute any of it. He doesn't dispute a single thing in that book. And I'm sure there are some nuances in the book that are maybe as true as you want. There's probably some context, things that are that are questionable. But overall, he doesn't he doesn't dispute it. He doesn't. He opens up to everything in the book and and, you know, he's like, okay, well, there it is. And so I, I kind of go along with this book being fact. This weekend in 2004, they ousted Michael Eisner as CEO 
which is a big deal for the company itself. So, so there's some Disney history for you. Two big events that happened in the life of the Walt Disney Company, all happening this week, which is crazy. I had no idea it was actually this week at the same time, but but there you go. Let's talk about the dining plan real quick. I kind of want to transition out of the news and some history and stuff. Go to the dining plan, and we'll, we'll talk about Disney food in just a minute. But uh, dining plan, you know, the way it works essentially is you have a couple of options. Um, I mentioned there's a table service, counter service, and snacks. Your dining plan is a per-day kind of thing, per-night-of-your-stay kind of thing. So it's assigned to the nights that you're in a hotel. So let's just say you go, and you're going to have six nights at Walt Disney World, but you've only got three-day tickets. So those three days you're doing whatever else, other things and such. So your dining plan actually will be um, will be assigned to your uh, to your nights. So if you have six nights, you have six table service credits. You have six counter service credits and you have 12 snacks per person to use during the course of your trip okay do the math with me here all right they're not per day you can use them however you want to use them so if you want to have three table service meals on a monday you can do that you'll use up three credits per person to do that and you'll have to kind of look at what you got left for the rest of the week Uh, but you can use them however you want to you can actually they're not even assigned per person they're assigned to your room so if mom and dad go and they meet up with you know Aunt Becky or something, you know, during the trip. And Aunt Becky's like, hey, I'll take the kids. Why don't, uh, you know, let me have the kids and stuff. So mom and dad go to dinner by themselves and they're going to you know, use up a table service credit each. But, you know, mom's not feeling that great. So mom's like, I'll just pay for an appetizer. Dad uses the credit. Mom does not. Well, they go somewhere else. They can assign that credit to something else. If they take Aunt Becky with them to lunch the next day, you know, they can say, well, you know what? I'm going to, we're going to use a credit for Aunt Becky because I'm just going to have an appetizer again. So you can use the credits however you want to. Now, that's the major, the main dining plan. That's the one that everybody wants. And there are some table services that use two credits. Cinderella's Castle is one. Two credits per person. Uh, Le Cellier in Epcot is two credits per person. Uh, California Grill, which is the contemporary, that's two credits per person. So you've got two credit options. Most things are one credit. Most um, character meals are one credit. And so most of the things are, uh, you know, just one. But some things are actually two credits. And so... um, and so with the dining plan, you know, you have your you have your options there. With the with the counter service plan, it's a little different. It's not not quite as expensive. A little little different there. Counter service actually gives you two counter service credits per person, uh, and two snacks per person for each night of your stay. So it's the same concept. You just use them for counter service and not in not uh, not sit down meals. And sit down meals, a table service, and so on. Be our guest going to two credits is a big deal for me because. Beer Guest is a very popular restaurant. It's very hard to get. It's extremely hard to get. So what, what's been happening, though, is people would go in, and I mentioned that about the gray stuff. They would go in and use it there. So now it's going to be a prefix menu um, for two credits per person. The pro on this is that I think Beer Guest will be something easier to get. I think people will have a little easier time using it, getting it, and that kind of thing. The con to this, however, is if you're a family of four going down for a week and you want to eat at the castle and at Beer Guest, you've now used up four of your six credits for the entire week. Uh, in, on two on two meals, so there is going to be some decisions made when I talk to clients about their dining. It's not going to be a, oh you want Cinderella's Castle and be our guest. Okay, it's going to be more of a you want Cindy's Castle and be our guest. Well, they're two credits per person. Here's what's going to happen. Blah blah blah. Now you can pay out of pocket for this Cinderella's Castle. I think it's around sixty five or seventy per person uh, for adults. Um, the prefix menu at be our guest is fifty five. Be our guest is not a character meal, but you do meet Beast at the end. He doesn't walk around the tables like a lot of other character meals do. You just walk over and you meet Beast as you're walking out. You get to say hey to him, take pictures, and so on. So so that's kind of how the dining plan works. It is a little pricey. Do you get the dining plan? Do you not get the dining plan? You know, there's something that there's something to be said for that. You had kind of have to decide for yourself 
How much money do you want to spend on dining? The pro to the dining plan is the fact that once you once you pay for it, once once you pay for your package, your dining is done. Your your, your dining is paid for. Now you can spend money on other things. The dining plan includes your drink, which also includes alcohol, a, an alcoholic drink, a alcoholic drink, just one, uh, a drink. Uh, your entree and your dessert. So if you want an appetizer, you have to pay extra for that. If you want, you know, paying gratuity, which obviously you'd want to pay gratuity, you have to pay extra for that. Back in the day, back in 2007, we went with the entire family, my wife Stephanie, and, and the whole family went uh, down there for, for for Disney, and we had the dining plan. And they include gratuity and appetizer and your entree and your dessert. It was so much food. Um, it was crazy. Well, now it just includes your appetizer. I'm sorry, it includes, includes your entree and your dessert and your drink, and that's it. No appetizers. It's still a lot of food. The pro is, again, you're paying for your dinner when you go down there. So you don't have to worry about budgeting for food. You don't have to worry about, like, okay, sit down at the menu and you're like, well, you know, we've been eating all week and our budget looks like this and you want to split something. This is what me, my wife and I do when we go to a regular restaurant. Uh, do you want to split something? Well, you like the ginger chicken. I like the I like the shrimp, uh, uh, the shrimp parmesan. Okay, well, I can eat ginger chicken. You don't like shrimp. Okay, I can eat ginger chicken. That's fine. We'll split that. No, it's okay. I don't mind I'm a ginger chicken. And, of course, she's like, but you don't like ginger chicken. I'm like, yes, I do. We go back and forth about ten times before we decide to split a meal. I'm eating a meal that I don't really like. I like it, but I don't love it. I would have much rather had the shrimp parmesan. She's eating a meal that she loves, but she's looking at me feeling guilty going, he didn't get the meal he wanted, and he's just being nice to me, and blah, blah, blah. And so we kind of go back and forth in there. And, and when you go down there, a lot of times at the end of the week when your budget is kind of thin now because you've spent way too much at Disney like you always do, you, you kind of have those conversations of, you want to split this? I don't know. The dining plan means you don't have to have those conversations. You just sit down and go, you know what? I'm going to get the shrimp parmesan. What are you going to get? I'm going to get the ginger chicken. And you get it. You're good. It's already paid for. The downside is that it is kind of expensive. It is a little a little pricey. Um, it is like $75 for adults per day, and it is about $50 for kids per day. So it is pricey. So you have to kind of weigh how much you're going to spend because if you go to Sci-Fi Cafe um, and then you go to, let's say, you you stop off at the Dockside Diner at Hollywood Studios and then you get a cotton candy and a candied apple, you're not spending $75. A burger and drink and fries and a shake is probably going to cost you about $35, maybe 40 bucks. Uh, a good meal at um, you know Dockside Diner is going to cost you fifteen. So now you spent fifty five. Two snacks maybe seven eight bucks ten bucks. Now you spent sixty five ish. And this is going all out. This is eating a lot during the day. You you now come in ten fifteen dollars under what you just paid for the dining plan. But if you go somewhere like Chef Mickey, that's going to cost you forty five to fifty bucks per person out of pocket uh, because it's a character meal. It's a very popular character meal. And it's a little pricey. So if you do a number of a whole lot of character meals during your week, the dining plan is going to be worth it because even if you don't save any money, it's going to be a wash. And again, you pay for your dining up front, you're done, which is nice. Uh, so that's that's kind of the dining plan, how the dining plan works. I mean, I can if you want to talk to me about it, we can actually go to more detail about it. But um, I thought kind of to end this up, and, and I don't want to do a series of like a straight series of food, hey, this week and next week and so on, we're talking about food. But I do want to kind of make this a food episode and kind of an ongoing series of food episodes uh, about food at Disney World. And I want to give you my top five Disney breakfasts. Actually, my top five Disney breakfast character meals. We don't do a lot of breakfasts at Disney World. Um, you know, it's just, you know, usually we do pastries and things like that. But when we do a breakfast, it's going to be a character meal because we love characters. My, my wife and I and my family and, and everything, we love meeting characters. That's just us. Some families go. And I actually had an email from from a guest from a family who's going to Disney pretty soon. And, and you know, the first thing they said was, we want the dining plan, but we don't really want a whole lot of character meals. We want to eat at, you know, sh a contemporary grill 
and we want to eat – I'm sorry, California Grill, and we want to eat at this place and that place. We just don't really care about characters very much, and that is okay. Some people don't. We do. We're big fans of it. So we like to do breakfast character meals because breakfast is really good at Disney World. So let me give you my top five, and I'll also give you a couple of, of non-character breakfasts that we do. Uh, my number five is Ohana. It's the Lilo and Stitch uh, Ohana breakfast over at the Polynesian, and it is standard stuff. I mean, you get your you get your standard meal. Um, you get your eggs and you get your bacon and things like that. It's a breakfast buffet. They bring it to you uh, time after time. You know, whenever you empty your plate, if you want more, or whatever. But it's a lot of fun. It's at the Polynesian, which is a great restaurant, and there you also get to meet Lilo and Stitch and Mickey and I believe Pluto is there. I haven't had it in a little while, but I do really, really like it. So you get to you get to meet those characters there. And they come around to your table. It's really fun. There's a ukulele thing going on. Everybody gets a lay around their neck. So it's a, the, the atmosphere is really, really cool. Um, you know, so Ohana with Polynesian, and it's close to the Magic Kingdom. So if you're having a Magic Kingdom day, especially on longer vacations, if you're having a Magic Kingdom day, you can go there early in the morning for breakfast and hit the Magic Kingdom, be there 9, 9.30, uh, or even have a late breakfast at Ohana, maybe like a 10.30 or 11 o'clock breakfast. Um, go to Magic Kingdom for a couple of hours and then head over to uh, head over to Magic Kingdom. Or, um, I'm sorry, head to Magic Kingdom for a couple of hours. Leave about 9.30 or so. You've ridden a couple of rides. 9.30 or so. Take the ferry across the Polynesian. Have breakfast. Come on the way back. So so that's an option for you there. My number four uh, meal. This is one that I discovered about two years ago because the Garden Grill was a restaurant I didn't really care for. I'm not a huge fan of turkey and dressing and cranberry and things like that. And that's a lot of what they serve at night. Um, it's at a rotating restaurant. When I say rotating, I mean it moves super slow. Like you can, if you're staring at it, you can kind of see it move, but overall, you, you don't really don't feel it. I mean, so for motion sickness people, you don't really feel it. You'll be eating, you look up, oh, there's a tree. You eat it, and you look up again a minute later, the tree's way behind you. It overlooks a ride called the Living with the Land. And so when you're on the Living with the Land boat ride, you can kind of see the restaurant up there. And uh, you get to meet Chip and Dale and Mickey and Pluto, and they're all in their harvest, their farmer outfits and such. Um, but the food... At breakfast, it to me is phenomenal. It's a great value. It's a great value. It's only it's thirty three bucks per person for adults, nineteen dollars for kids, which seems like a lot, and it is. But it's Disney. When you're talking about Chef Mickey at forty five or fifty, this is actually not bad. They bring out this large skillet cinnamon bun with warm vanilla icing, and it's a massive, massive cinnamon roll. It's a huge cinnamon roll. It's about as big as my head. Literally as big as my head. Um, the whole table shares it because you can't eat it by yourself because you would die. It's just too much. You get you know egg, you get eggs, Mickey waffles. They bring out uh, hash brown potatoes, bacon, sausage links, and such. And so, a lot of the same food as you would get at Ohana, but you get that sticky bun, you get that cinnamon roll, which to me is totally worth it. I love, I love that cinnamon roll. I I probably could eat one of my, one of them by myself, but then want to go back to the room and pass out because it's just it's too much food. My number three meal. Is a meal for breakfast called the Supercalifragilistic Breakfast, and it's over at the Grand Floridian, which is the same concept as the Polynesian. You know, have an early breakfast, eat there, head to the Magic Kingdom, or have a late breakfast and you know go to the Magic Kingdom first, then head over to Grand Floridian. Um, it's called 1900 Park Fair is the name of the restaurant. They do a dinner there as well, which is a character dinner, which you can meet Cinderella and Prince Charming and and the stepsisters and stepmother. But for breakfast, for breakfast, it's fantastic. It's an all-you-can-eat character meal with Mary Poppins. Alice and Mad Hatter, uh, Tigger and Pooh are typically there as well. 
Um, or they were there. I, I'm reading something here where it just says Mary Alice and the Mad Hatter. I'm assuming Tigger and Pooh are still there. I hope so. Uh, price is only about 30 bucks per person. Uh, actually, 29 to 37 depending on – I don't know what it depends on, but I guess it depends on season. Um, but the offerings itself, you get a strawberry soup, which is so good. It's chilled strawberry soup. Uh, cheese blunts with topping, smoked salmon, omelets, eggs made to order, uh, beef hash, eggs benedict, yogurt bar. They have a carving station where they have a big fat ham right there, and they chop it up for you. As you stand there, they'll give you a slice. with a, They have brown sugar, maple honey glaze. Um, and, of course, you have your bagels and your pancakes and your biscuits and your sausage and your French toast and pastries and eggs and so on and so on. You have a fruit station with grapefruit, honeydew, and cantaloupe, and watermelon, blah, blah, blah. Um, bread pudding, uh, cinnamon rolls, donut, donut holes and donuts and things like that. For the kids, they have the eggs and the Mickey waffles and stuff and breakfast pastries and they have a kids bar where you can go and eat for the kids just to get but they can go anywhere they want to so don't feel like you know if you're 50 you can't go get a mickey waffle off the kids area and if you're seven you can't go get a piece of ham off the carving station um you can do any of that the, the restaurant is it's very it's very elegant elegant looking um it, you know 1900 park fair on the grand, grand floridian which is kind of the flagship resort for disney so something to consider but the atmosphere is really really nice and the characters are fantastic i love mary poppins the mary poppins character is great um the alice character is great the mad hatter character always brings it it's always so much fun to meet mad hatter because he's always very silly and all over the place and and characters are characters are a big deal because if they don't if they don't quote unquote bring it then it's really not as fun. And you know, you think to yourself, well, the characters, they have to bring it. And to a level, they all do. But there are some characters that give you the extra little oomph. Uh, Genie from Aladdin is like that. He's not an any character meal, but he's like that. If you meet, ever meet him in the park, which I haven't seen him in the park in a while, uh, Timon from The Lion King is the same thing. Just, uh, Stitch a lot of times is the same thing, too. We'll just give you that extra bit of energy, that extra bit of like, hey, what's up, and just all over the place. Mad Hatter is like that. I've never had a bad experience with Mad Hatter. I've never had an average experience with the Mad Hatter. He's always great. So 1900 Park Fair, it's a super califragilistic breakfast. I have a lot of fun with that. And Tigger and Pooh are fun, too, especially if you know you don't – or you're not going to eat at the Crystal Palace, which is a Pooh – uh, Pooh-themed meal, um, or you don't plan on stopping to meet P uh, Tigger and Pooh somewhere else, um, it's a great time to meet them as well. So Grand Floridian is right there. My, my, where are we at? One, two, three. My second favorite, and this is actually my wife's favorite character meal. This is the Tusker House over in Animal Kingdom. It's over in the Africa section. It's uh, Donald's Tusker House Breakfast or Tusker House with Donald. They give it some name that I never call it. I always just call it the Tusker House Breakfast. Um, this is a really, really good meal. And it's, again, it's not very expensive if you're paying out of pocket for it. It's like, I don't know, $30, $35, something like that per person. And so your buffet is, uh, you get African dishes and you get American dishes. And it's a very big place too, which one of my, my downfalls with, say, 1900 Park Fair is that the, the food area is a little cramped. I mean, you go in there and you're kind of moving around people, whatever. Over here at Animal Kingdom, it's a large area where the food is. So you have plenty of room to, to get in line and get your stuff and whatever. They have a bagel and donut bar in the middle. Um, they've got, you know, uh, pastries, hot and cold breakfast items, biscuits, gravy, Mickey waffles, eggs, bacon, sausage, potatoes, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they've also got, like, African dishes. They've got African cheese blintzes, which are there. They have a roast beef carving station, which is great. Um, quiches, fruit chutneys. Uh, fresh fruit assorted beverages you meet here uh, when you go in you get to meet Donald Donald Duck right at the front and then you get to meet Mickey Goofy Daisy and Donald Donald comes around to your table as well um, Daisy this is one of the first places you get to meet Daisy you don't get to meet Daisy very often now I think she's starting to appear in the park more and more uh, I know she's at the kind of a lot of times she's at the very front when you walk in the Magic Kingdom but overall she's she's a lot of fun I mean the characters are a lot of fun too and the food is really good the atmosphere is really good and and it works out really well in terms of touring because you've got 
Pandora, which is right down the, the sidewalk. There's a little bridge, a little wooden sidewalk bridge that go from Pandora to Africa. It walks right into the Lion King show, which is right next door to the Tusker House, which is right next door to the Safari. So a lot of times people will say, hey, can you get some Fast Passes? We'll do a Fast Pass early for Pandora, and then we'll do a Fast Pass for, say, the Lion King show. And then you'll have breakfast, and then you'll do a Fast Pass for the the, uh, the Safari. And so you can kind of get to do something where kind of you don't have to go get on a roller coaster immediately. You can let your breakfast settle. But it's really good breakfast food. It's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a great meal. Uh, very, very affordable. Now, let's get to my favorite. My favorite is one that popped up about a year ago, maybe. A year, year and a half ago. Um, and this is over at the Beach Club. I'm sorry, Boardwalk over in Epcot. Uh, Epcot has what they call the Epcot Resorts. And literally, literally a 10-minute walk from Epcot, the back gate, which is World sh- World, sh- World Showcase is. <laughs> get out there. You walk out of Epcot, you can walk to the Yacht and Beach Club, which are right there together, the Boardwalk, which is right there, and they have the Swan and Dolphin, which is a little farther down, but it's right there as well. It's all within walking distance. Technically, you can walk to Hollywood Studios. It's about a mile, mile and a half walk. I don't like walking that far. It's just too much. But uh, for breakfast at the restaurant called Tatoria El Forno, and this is over on the actual boardwalk itself. You don't walk into the resort. You actually see it on the boardwalk. It's themed like New Jersey, um, you know, from the from the 50s and 60s. They have Streetmosphere, and they have a bakery and a pastry place and they have some fun stuff to give shop and they have the ESPN zone which is right there as well but they have the Tutorial El Fiorno um, and this is this used to be just like a regular breakfast place um, I think before they put this one in it was called uh, Cozina by Cat Cora and I think before that it was something else and they've kind of gone through a rotation well they opened it up for breakfast as a character meal also very affordable one of the cheapest character meals on property it's $35 for what you get the pastries are great it's a prefix menu where you go in they bring you the pastries and stuff to begin with a plate of cookies a plate of breads which is really really good food the food is the food is so good um, and then you choose your entree and your entree choices are the King Triton's Shipwreck El Forno which is a calzone uh, you get tangled egg which is mozzarella tomato eggs and Sunday gravy you can get the two eggs poached underwater which are poached eggs. You get the Tower of Pancakes, which is just what it sounds like. Uh, the Royal Breakfast, which is steak and eggs and crispy onions and potatoes. The Swimmer's Delight, which is the egg white omelet with salmon, goat cheese, spinach, mushroom, and tomato uh, with potatoes. And the Golden Frittata, which is a frittata with lots of cheese and, and, and the accoutrement that goes with it. So you pick yours. Uh, I have had the Royal Breakfast, which is the steak. And I am, I'm a big steak fan, by the way. I'm a big, big steak fan, so I love steak. Um, and I've also had the Swimmer's Delight, which is the omelet, because I'm also an omelet fan. And I think next time I go, I'm going to try the calzone or maybe the eggs or maybe the Tower of Pancakes. I don't know. I've got a reservation coming up in, at the end of March for it, so I'm pretty excited. Um, the, the kids also have their choices of theirs. They have kind of smaller versions of some of the stuff I just mentioned. They bring out coffee, tea, um, hot chocolate, milk chocolate, things like that. You get a, you can pay a little extra for like a character punch, which is basically you get like a little glowing plastic figure uh, to go with it and such. But the key to this is... The characters you get to meet, Ariel and Prince Eric, which is really the only place you get to meet Prince Eric, other than if you met them at, say, a Halloween party or a Christmas party that you have to pay extra for. Um, you know, you get to meet Prince Eric here. And I like Ariel. I like Eric fine. To me, the fun appeal of this is the fact you get to meet a Rapunzel, which if you listen to this show, you know I love me some Rapunzel. Heart goes pitter-patter. That's my heart thinking about Rapunzel. Love her. Love her. Um... But also, you get to meet Flynn Rider, and this is the really the only place you get to meet Flynn Rider. He's in the, some of the parades and stuff, so you can wait to him or whatever. 
but you don't get a meet and greet with Flynn Rider. So he comes around, and he's always great. He's always a lot of fun. Very, he's like Gaston, only not quite as arrogant. Maybe he's Gaston, so he's but he's not as as sure as himself as Gaston is. Uh, so he's got this little air of cockiness, but he's still a lot of fun. I love meeting both of these characters. The food is wonderful. The location is great. We'll do this, you know, early in the morning, say seven thirty or eight o'clock after breakfast, about nine thirty. We'll walk over to Epcot and do Epcot stuff. Um, Love it. Now, if you go to lunch or dinner at this place at Tutorial, it's going to be a regular meal. It's not going to be the Bon Voyage breakfast, but they call it the Bon Voyage breakfast, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, so those are my top five, top five character meals. Now, one of the things I like to do with character meals, because it's a buffet, you know, when they come around, they drink people, but like, I want coffee and water. Can I have some juice, whatever? I'm like, take the water away. I need a Coke. I need a chocolate milk. Bring them both. And they bring them both. And I drink a Coke and I drink a chocolate milk while I'm there. A uh, whole entire glass of chocolate milk. I, so it's a buffet, right? I love it. Um, I will go back probably three or four times to different things. I love these buffets. I love the character meals. And so and here's some here here's kind of a real, real quick list, maybe four places to go if you don't want to do a character meal. There is not a lot of table serving options for breakfast when it comes to come to Disney. I mean, there are some, but there's nothing to me that just stands and I'm like, you gotta go here. These are four that I really like though. Whispering Canyon, which is a which is a breakfast, which is a a, a table service meal over at Fort Wilderness. Uh, I'm sorry. It's Wilderness Lodge. Wilderness Lodge. It's a lot of fun. The the atmosphere is really, really cool. The the servers really kind of have a, a lot of fun with you. Um, I, I may have told the story before, but, like, the whole secret is asking for ketchup. You know, when you go there, if you ask for ketchup, then a lot of times the kid will bring uh, – kids in the, in the room, they all know this. So they'll all grab all the ketchup they can and bring them all to your table. I've been there before with about 15 bottles of ketchup just scattered around my table because, you know, I asked for ketchup. I made the mistake of asking for ketchup. Uh, I also like be our guest restaurant for breakfast and for lunch, too. It's, it's reserved. You have to do it, but the breakfast is good. It's a pastries, options, that kind of thing. Uh, Sunshine Seasons over at Epcot. Now, it's a question as to whether they still do breakfast or not, because at one time I had heard they were taking breakfast away. But it's, you know, eggs and sausage and bacon and stuff. They have different stations. You can do that as well. And finally, Landscape of Flavors at Art of Animation is also a cool breakfast spot. It's a good place to eat breakfast and pastries and eggs and sausage and Mickey waffles. you got to get Mickey waffles because they're just good. So there you go. I hope you're hungry for breakfast because I am now hungry for lunch because it's almost noon. I haven't really had breakfast. So I, you know what? I might I probably will eat either. I'm just hungry. Um, so that's going to be our show for today. That's our that's our breakfast show. Um, a lot of news talking about food, big events there at uh, Disney World, and uh, big events in terms of Disney history, and of course, my favorite character meals for breakfast. This show is sponsored by MyResumeLady.com, my good friend Amy Campbell. She is phenomenal. She's beautiful. She's wonderful. She's smart. She does all this stuff about resumes and LinkedIn, which is a great app, um, and marketing, things like that. Send her an email, amy at MyResumeLady.com. Go visit the website MyResumeLady.com. Go check it out. The site, let her know that I sent you over there and get help with your resume. If you're looking for a better job or you're looking for a new job or whatever, she will take care of you. And LinkedIn, folks, don't sleep on LinkedIn. I know it's a, it's an app that if you get if you really like it, then you really like it. But if you don't know much about it, you're like, I don't need another app. You do, folks. Get on LinkedIn. It's a it's a if, if you're trying to network and market and stuff, LinkedIn is pretty pretty phenomenal. Um, don't forget a show also produced by my good friend Clay Shaver, host of the Remodeling Clay podcast. Uh, every episode drops on Thursday morning in the wee hours of the morning, so you can get it when you wake up. Just like this show is dropped in the wee hours of Tuesday morning, so you can get it when you wake up as well. So make sure you go listen to that show. Subscribe, leave a rating. You'll love it. It's a little bit of encouragement with a little bit of a uh, little bit of snark there thrown in for good measure to let you know that he's real. He's not uh, not going to be something fake for you, but. 
But visit my website, magiconadollar.com. You can actually visit show notes. Go to the podcast tab. Click there and see all the podcast information. Find me on Facebook, Disney on a dollar uh, on Facebook. We're going to have the Movie Madness Tournament starting sometime next week, actually. That's going to be your favorite Disney movies. You'll get to pick them at random. You'll get to pick them, actually. Make your choices as we go down and visit your uh, – narrow it down to your favorite Disney movie of all time, one that you voted on. You can win some prizes. You're going to have a fun time. It lasts about a month or so, so we do it every day for about a month, but you're going to love it. And it's it's a good time. It really is. It's really engaging. Find me on Twitter at Disney on a dollar, uh, Disney on a dollar. Find me on Instagram at Magic on a dollar. And don't forget, you can email me Magic on a dollar, and I am happy to help you take care of your Disney travel planning needs and your Universal needs as well. I would love to help you out with that. So that is our show. Thank you so much for joining us. My gosh, we went 50 minutes this time. Holy crap. Uh, my good friend Clay, host of the Remodeling Clay podcast, is going to have his work cut out for him this time because we're producing a very long show this time, but I'm glad you hung in there with me. Go get some breakfast. Book you some character meals if you want. I can book them for you. And don't forget, whenever you're saying thanks for everything, don't forget, thank a Phoenician.